I want to dive into our message today. We've been in this series called Unselfie, or hashtag Unselfie. I get tired of saying the hashtag. Isn't always weird people do hashtag chilling, you know, just get over all the hashtags. But um, this whole series, we've been just kind of, kind of flipping this whole kind of paradigm we have. And, and I think we don't even do it on purpose, but we're, we're very much self-absorbed. We don't even try to be. Like, we just are. We naturally are self-absorbed because we kind of take care of numero uno, but really the scriptures really show us that if, really if we're trying to save our own life, if we're trying to protect it, we're going to lose it. But Jesus said if we'll lose our, lose our, lose our life for his sake, uh, then we'll gain, we'll, we'll save our soul and gain the whole world. So that's really kind of what the kind of heartbeat of this whole series has been about. And as we kind of get into the season, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a little bit stressed already. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know, and it's funny, like, it doesn't even matter, like, if we're that much busier, we just feel busier because everything's, like, moving and, like, there's pressure. There's so much pressure that comes with the season. And even if, like, you're, you're not stressed about anything, you feel stressed. Like, I'm stressed. I don't know what I'm stressed about, though. Because um, just the whole season, there's just this busyness and kind of stress and anxiety that comes with that. And I think that there's something that the Lord's going to share, and it may kind of be out of the box for some of you of where we're going to go today, but I think at the core of it, it's about putting God first, and I think when we put God first, everything else comes in order. Everything else falls into order. I mean, think, um, really, I do this with our, our boys. Like, when we sit down at the dinner table, there's a certain order to the way we do dinner. We've got a new one, and some of your parents may want to steal this. Our, our first new kind of order of how things go is clear the kitchen. Like, any, whoever's cooking there gets silence to do their work, so it's made with love and not frustration. Of, okay, the, the young parents in the house know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, so we clear them out, um, and so uh, last night I made pancakes, and they weren't that good, but I made pancakes, so cleared the room, we started a new tradition, because I can't focus, and if you want your food to be good, we need to stop the yelling. Um, so, there's, so there's an order, that's the first thing for us, then what, you set the table, get the table right, and we all sit down, the dinner's made, we all sit down, and we eat, first we, we say our blessing and pray, and then we dig in, we talk about our day, um, or we just eat like army military people and rush away, and then we clean up, right? And we go through this whole process. Our sons love to help us with that, that order. But first things first, for us, it's clear the room. Um, but there's an order to everything. I mean, think about the very beginning of creation. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. And so it says that, that the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, the breath of God, hovered out over the water. So there was chaos, and it was it was formless and void, and God did what? He created order. He created night and day. He created land and sea. So God began to put things in order right from the beginning. And we're going to come back to Exodus, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 4 in a few minutes. But I want us to kind of explore with this simple title today of the principle of first. I want to talk to you about the principle of first. And it's a simple idea that when we put God first, Everything else comes into order. We put God first. Everything else comes into order. So I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 13 today. And we're going to find some stuff that will make you scratch your head. And we'll kind of explain it. I'm going to grab some water because my allergies are acting up. So forgive me. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first of every womb among the Israelites, Say that with me, belongs to me, whether human or animal. Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first of every womb. 
So really, the, the, I want you to highlight those two things that I kind of put in yellow there. Consecrate, which means to set aside. So here's a principle early on, and we'll actually, at the end of this message, we'll go to Exodus, or Genesis chapter 4, where this principle of first was actually in Genesis chapter 4. But I want to start here in Exodus chapter 13. Consecrate, which means to set aside. Set aside for me what? The first. Why? Why do we set it aside? Because it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. And so, um, and the thing about it is that, that God's first, like some of us, um, you might know somebody, I'm not going to say they're in this room, but you might know somebody that has an alpha complex. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, guys definitely know what I'm talking about. There's somebody that has an alpha complex and they've got to be the alpha in the room. You guys know what I'm talking about? There might be some ladies that you work with. There might be a guy to work with. He's got to be the alpha in the room. He's got to bark louder than everybody else. There's like this thing with dogs too, isn't it? Like where they kind of bark louder and the alpha, and sometimes it's the little dogs that have the alpha complex, and they're trying to yell and like dominate the other. But some of us do that. But here's the thing about God: is uh, God is the alpha in every room. <laughs> He's the, the the alpha of everything. In the beginning, God. He's the first. He's the first. It's the theological term known as the preeminence of God. That God is always first. Whether He's first in your life or not, He's always first. The preeminence of God. God is first. And it's this principle of the first that we see rolling through Scripture from the very beginning to the very end, that when we put him first, everything else comes in the order. So he's saying set aside, and why did he say set it aside? Sorry, we'll figure out the whole rhetorical and which ones are rhetorical. We'll figure that out later. I'll give you some signals. I'll have cue cards. Rhetorical, say it out loud, you know, like they do in TV shows. Uh, consecrate, set aside for me. Because uh, it's uh, my possession. I want to skip down just a skip down just a little bit, and I want you to see this because this is powerful, powerful stuff. Um, I think it's verse twelve. Yep, uh, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock. Do what they belong to the Lord. Now check this out. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Okay. Does this sound weird to anybody? Now we're talking about snapping donkeys' necks. Like, does that sound weird? Like, Pastor Kyle has fallen off the wagon. Now we're talking about lambs and animals. And there's something huge. And I know you're asking, like, what in the world? Where the heck is he going with this? There's, something, there's a huge principle in here that I think a large majority of us have never understood um, when it comes to putting God first. And particularly on, sometimes we wonder, like, how does the Old Testament, how does the law and this kind of whole thing that happened kind of match up to the New Testament and, and what Jesus did. But I think we'll see it here. So what God is doing is he's giving us these two examples of, um, of animals, and they're really two classifications of animals. A lamb, which is considered clean, it's in the classification of clean, and a, a, a donkey, which is considered unclean, right? And so if you'll go back to that verse, the donkey has to be redeemed with a sacrifice of the clean, and if, if you don't redeem it, you might as well break, it, break its neck because you're going to lose it anyway. If you don't set aside for the Lord that first, then you might as well kill it because you're going to lose it anyway. God will kill it. He's like, you might as well break its neck, which is pretty intense, right? Go ahead and kill it anyway because it's mine. Now, go, go back over. Um, so the donkey is considered unclean. Now, how does this apply to our lives? Let's begin to unpack this a little bit. Were you and me, were we born clean or unclean? Were Let's put it like this. Did you have to teach your kids to be bad? 
<laughs> I think there was a song, I Can Do Bad All By Myself. Like, you know, I, some of them are better than, better than others at, at being bad, just naturally. Um, they, we didn't have to, don't have to teach us to be bad. We were naturally bad. We were naturally sinful. All fallen short of the glory of God. Sin. What about Jesus? Was Jesus clean or unclean when he was born? Yeah, he was clean. So we see before Jesus ever came in the physical form, here before the law was ever even established, is the gospel speaking to us that God indeed sent his first. He gave his first, right? He gave the first. Not only did he he do that later on, but here he's establishing this principle. And at that time, they're probably like, all right, God, if that's what you want me to do. But it's this principle of the first that God, in fact, does, and he sends his first. But the clean Jesus must come, and he was sacrificed in order to redeem what? The unclean, us, the gospel message. And so you've probably never heard it like this before, but that Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus, he, it takes faith to do that. He did it first. He didn't say, get your act together, and then, and then, um, and then I'll save you, right? He, he did it first. He, he didn't say, get all cleaned up and, and do everything. No, he, he gave his son first. So he, he applied that right in our lives with Jesus. And so that Jesus is actually God's tithe. And so that's where we're going to kind of begin to move. I want to talk to you about tithing because I get a lot of questions on it, like what is it about and what does it mean and what's it for? And, and so many times what we think is we think that it's all about uh, the church. Uh, we think it's about uh, ministry. We think about, it's about a lot of things. But I want to show to you in Scripture, and the same Scriptures that make us kind of, kind of scratch our heads, the same Scriptures show us that really, why did God create tithing? Can you answer that question? Why do you think God created tithing? I've heard some people say, you know, to support ministry and to do that. But, I mean, does God need? Does God need the tithe? Does, does he need it? I mean, right? He can make manna fall from heaven, and he can make water come from a rock, and he can make donkeys talk, and he can part the red. Like, does God need it? So is that really the, the, the right kind of thought process of, of why God created tithing? No, I, I think it's, it's deeper than that, and I, and I think it's surprising, in fact, to me that God created tithing for us, which that doesn't seem to make sense, but I'm going to show you that in Scripture. So I want to go to Malachi chapter 3, begin with verse 8, and we kind of pick up in this, um, kind of midstream. Bring the, uh, bring the, actually, I think that's verse 10, I, I said. Do we have verse 8 on there? No, I yeah, there you go. Uh, will a more, mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. But you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Continue. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Throughout Scripture, the storehouse is the local church. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. So there is a purpose of that. We'll talk more about that here in a second. And this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me in this. Nowhere else does he say, test me in this. This is the place where he says, test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours 
will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I want to unpack for you four quick things. And, and again, our brain begins to kind of think this is a, about some pitch. And, and we think that like the preacher in the church invented tithing, like to make ministry move forward. But really, God invented tithing. God did. And it wasn't for his sake. God doesn't need what um, we have. He doesn't. He did it for our sake. And I think there are some things so that there will be food in my house that we'll talk about. I want to unpack these real quick for us. Because God wants to be first. And once we get the first in our lives, and, and hey, some of us will kind of go into, hey, isn't it about our heart? Absolutely. That's why God talks about money, because he knows it's close to our heart. <laughs> and, and so um, let, let's begin to unpack these four things. And I be- believe the first reason that God invented the tithe, you know, the first reason he created this and established it with animals, and then that kind of transitioned as we move uh, further in time and, and money began to get exchanged and stuff. So the first reason is our faith. I think that's one of the first reasons of why he did that. It doesn't take faith to give what's left over. And because God is first and he is a jealous God, he will, he, I'm at, we'll end with this in Genesis chapter 4, but not only will he will not accept leftovers, he cannot. It's outside of his character to accept leftovers. So he says bring the whole tithe in because it doesn't take faith to give what's left over. It takes faith to give the first. That's what Jesus did. And, and secondly, giving what's left over is not a reflection of the gospel. I, I mean, I don't know if we've ever kind of grabbed that, but there's in, in the tithe, it's a reflection. It points us back to the gospel message that Jesus gave first. He didn't give last. He didn't give leftovers. He didn't say, get your act together. He did it first. So giving uh, what's left over, it, it's a, it's a refl- or giving what's first is a reflection of the gospel. It points us back to Jesus, and it, and it stretches that, uh, us in that, and it keeps our hearts pure. I mean, what's, uh, and so many times we, I, I, hear, I hear people criticize tithing and question uh, tithing, and it, and it breaks my heart uh, on several levels, um, because we're missing the, the whole picture, we're missing the whole point, um, it, because we think it's about the money, and it's not. It's not about, our, it's not about the money, it's about our heart. Um, and I, I, what I found in my own life is, is when I, I can't be honest about that, I, I'm withholding pieces of my life and trust from God. And when I feel myself actually kind of wavering in my faith, I know I, I need to push myself to be stretched. And so God keeps us in that place, takes faith to give what's left over. So that's, I think, the first reason why God created tithing is, is to make sure where our treasure is, our heart is. Also, I think, I think the second thing is our investment. I know there's some probably stock portfolio um, people in the house that you've got stocks and you've got investments in different places. Uh, and I think, and I don't think the scriptures necessarily, I, I think a, a little bit it does uh, bring the, the food into the storehouse. But let me ask those that are investors in the house, which companies do you follow and care if they do well, right? You don't care if the cryogenic company in Russia does well because you're not invested in them. But if you're invested in Apple or Amazon or Disney, you're kind of watching that stock number. Maybe not every day, but you're watching it, and you're invested in it, and you care about it. And I think there's something inside of us. I think there's two levels. I think there's something inside of us that longs to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so I think woven into all this is this sense of investment that I'm pouring into the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of me, but the kingdom of God, and that I'm investing in that. God wants us invested in his kingdom, and nothing kind of reveals that probably more than our money. That's why Jesus, did you know that Jesus talked about money almost more than he talked about anything else? So you can be thankful I don't talk about money every week. Um, he talked about it more than sin. 
He talked about it more than grace. He talked about it more than love. He talked about it more than anything else except for heaven and hell. Kind of blows your mind when you really begin to look at statistically how much Jesus talked. Why did he talk about it so much? Is he all about the Benjamins? No, he wasn't. He was all about the heart, and he's first, and he wants to be first, and he knows in the very depths of our spirit, if we're going to trust him, then we're going to trust him with the first, not what's left over. I'm going to show you that in in Genesis 4 when we go to this uh, a little bit later. So our investment, there's something powerful about being part of that. And and there's a growth thing that happens when you invest in what I call fertile soil, companies that are doing well and the kingdom is advancing and God's doing things in the midst of it. I believe that grows in in many ways and righteousness in particular. So our faith, our investment, I I believe our, our blessing, our blessing. Like again, God didn't invent tithing for his sake. He did it for ours, I truly believe. What did that verse say? The windows of heaven are going to be opened up. Like um, Beckett and to overflow, leading to overflow. Uh, A couple years ago, Taryn had her her old piggy bank as a child. It was like a little dog. And um, and, uh, so Beckett began to put some coins in there. Every time his grandparents would come in, they'd put all kinds of coins inside there and bring way too much money for him. He doesn't need it. But, um, so they put all this money in there. He finally filled it up. Um, so I think like a, a year ago, we, last Christmas, we got him a little dinosaur piggy bank, which is pretty cool, and he's excited about it. So he said, so somewhere in this year, he just decided he was going to empty mom's piggy bank, and I helped him get it open, and he was going to put all the money in there. So it's been empty, just sitting in his room for most of the year, and so he's filling up his other, his new piggy bank. And so this week, he decided he was going to give mom back her her piggy bank. Oh, how sweet, you know. It was the one that she had when she was a little girl. She had little stickers on it and stuff. And, and um, he, he brings it back to mom and says, hey, mom, here's your, here's your piggy bank. And uh, she goes, oh, thanks, bud. She, he said, you can put it in your room and, and you can fill up, fill up money with it. And she's like, okay, I'll do that. And he said, and when, you, when it's filled up, you can bring it back to my room and I'll, <laughs> and I'll put it in my piggy bank. I, I don't know... Um, I don't know how God wants to bless you, but I believe in, in some of our lives, like, we're locking the windows. We're locking the windows because we're not putting God first. And I, I believe that God wants to open the windows of heaven to overflow. And, and I'm not telling you, like, you, it's going to be, like, tenfold. Like, I, I, I'm not into that stuff, okay? I'd much rather get it in righteousness. I'd much rather have it returned to me in God's faithfulness and provision and community and friendships. God returns it in so many ways, those blessings come. But I believe that the windows of heaven leading to overflow, I believe that it can mean definitely tangible things that raises and jobs and promotions that you weren't even looking for that God brings into your path and better jobs and, and things like that. So uh, I believe it's our, our blessing. It's for, again, for our sake. And the fourth thing and I think this is huge, and I think probably at the end of that text, we can kind of throw that away. And before I go to that, what was the verse 12 say? That all the other nations will call you blessed. All the other nations. So that God will bless you so much that all these other people around you will begin to recognize, man, I don't know what happened, but he was just trucking along, and something changed, and I just, there's a real sense of blessing in his life. Uh, go, go back to, to our fourth point there, our protection. And he says two things in here, and the first one sometimes we catch, and the second one we never catch. And they're really powerful because this is a promise of the Lord when we put them first. We're talking about promises. Your promises remain forever. You reign. We were singing about that a few minutes ago. Our protection, that he's going to rebuke the devourer. Like, what, what does that mean? Um, 
I, I believe it's things are going to last a little bit longer that shouldn't last that long. You know, I, I, I don't believe that, that tithing and, 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 and putting God first and, and everything means all the bad things stop. All right, that's crazy. doesn't mean the flat tire is not going to happen, right? doesn't mean any of those things, bad things still happen, but we have a sense of, of faith and security that they're under the lordship of Jesus and that we put him first. Uh, and our protection, at first, is that it rebukes the devourer, that I believe that God protects us from so many things. Have, have you ever, there was, a, I've talked about this a couple, couple times, I think, from the stage, but I think last year sometime, or maybe it was earlier this year, we had a couple of tornadoes come through really like a half mile from our house. And, um, and it was so close and it was so scary because it, it got even more scary that literally Taryn was planning on leaving the house to go to the grocery store on that very path that this thing whipped across. About a half hour before this thing ripped through, she was planning on, on going. And, and this may not mean anything for you, but I know in my life, I believe that God rebuked the devourer over my wife's life. And you may not believe that or get into that. But I believe that he rebuked that devourer. And I don't think it was all because of this. I think it's because he cares for her and loves for her. Um, but I believe I've seen this in so many parts of our life that God rebukes the devourer from taking. It's a part of that curse. And I, I, another thing I think that we miss, go back to, to verse, I think it's verse 11 here, uh, because I think this is one we miss all the time. I will prevent pests uh, from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. I think we miss that one all the time, but there is a powerful thought here that God's timing is perfect. And when we put him first, like it may not come in our timing, it may not come in, you know, anybody's time, but it's going to come in the Lord's timing, and it's going to be perfect. And let me just tell you this as a testimony of the, in the life of our church, that um, probably a, about a month and a half ago, um, uh, we, we weren't about to close up shop. Things weren't, weren't that bad, but things were getting tight, particularly with all this AC stuff, and I was just stressing through the roof. I was stressing way more than what I need to, to be on it, because I hated to see you sweat on, on Sundays. But I was just, just kind of wrestling with this stuff, and I was kind of nervous some days and super full of faith the next day, and just because it, it was expensive to kind of roll that out and just what that was going to look like for our church. And um, man, the Lord's timing is amazing in what the gifts that, that began to come in so that we could pay for that thing cash, which was amazing. Like, we could have paid for it cash, but we didn't want to dig too deep into the savings that, that we've held as, as like a kind of things get tough or something happens, you know, so, um, but the timing of that was just incredible. Uh, you could ask Marilyn, our financial director, like, it was just incredible how God set everything up and just made it happen. I believe that, that because we put him first in all things in the life of our church, that, that God's timing, it didn't fall before it was ripe, and that's a powerful thought. So it's all these kind of meanings, I think, and purposes to why God created tithing. I think it's such this powerful kind of um, thing for us to grab a hold of. So go back to those four things, uh, and then I kind of want us to move on to a couple other scriptures. Our faith, why did God create it? Because it's connected to our heart, where our treasure is, there our heart is, and it's not a representation of the gospel to give leftovers. It's our investment that God wants us invested in his kingdom, our blessing, that the windows of heaven will be opened up. I don't know about you, but I like that type of, I like that verse, right? We like that verse. Uh, and then our protection, rebuking the devouring, great timing, in harvest, I believe. I want to go to Proverbs chapter 3. I want to go to Proverbs chapter 3 real quick. It says this, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. Why does God get the first? You guys remember this? Not rhetorical. Rhetorical, not rhetorical. It belongs to him. It, it belongs to him. God gets first because 
He gets his first. And Jesus is that representation of that first. So it connects us always back to the gospel. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. Some arguments are, are uh, like a, about, hey, well, I don't have fruit anymore. Well, increase is, is our income. It, it's what comes in. So that first, that first 10%. I mean, think of, of it like this. Like, uh, think of when you were a teenager and your mom ordered you a pizza for you and a couple of your friends to enjoy. And um, your mom bought it, right? You, you weren't making any money. You were just spending it. And um, she buys you the pizza and says, hey, guys, I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to hang out. You guys have fun. Will you just, that, that one slice belongs to me. I want, like, save me that slice. And um, when mom comes out, if that slice isn't there, <laughs> um, next time you want pizza, the pizza's not going to be there. So it's just kind of picturing this as give that first fruits, that first thing. I want to go to a passage, and I'll begin to close today. In, in Genesis chapter 4, and we see this picture of two brothers. Um, it kind of connects with me because I, I, it was me and my, my brother. There's just two of us. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, and we find the story of Cain and Abel. Some of you might have heard of Cain and Abel. It says this, in the course of time, or in the process, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits. I want you to really pay close attention to what it says here. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as what? As an offering to the Lord. Continue, verse 4. Just over time, he brought some, some of the offerings in. And Abel also brought an, or, an offering, fat portions from some of the what? Firstborn of his flock. So he... He didn't bring just some. He didn't bring as an offering. He brought the firstborn. Then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Some translations say he rejected Cain's. So Cain was angry, and his face was downcast. He was mad. Like, why couldn't God accept it? Why wouldn't God? Why did not God not look with favor? But he just brought some of the offering. Like he just brought in, over the course of time, he kind of brought some things in. He didn't put God first. He didn't bring in the first fruits. It takes no faith to give leftovers. It takes faith to give first. It's not a representation of the gospel to give leftovers. It's a representation of the gospel to give the first. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what God did in sending Jesus to us. But on Cain's offering, did not look a favor. It's kind of a sad but inspirational story of what happens from here. So, um... So Cain goes out and, and he, he kills his brother um, after this. So it got real sad real quick. Um, in fact, I, I wasn't planning on reading this, so you guys don't feel like you, you do it, but I want to read it to you if that's okay. Give me, give me two seconds. I didn't have it marked. Um, let, me, let me read it. Verse 6. Why are you angry, the Lord said to, to Cain? Why is your face downcast? So even in his kind of putting... Um, not obeying the Lord and giving him what's left. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Like if you, if you fall, if you respond, repent, trust me first, you do not do what's right. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. We're more than conquerors, right? Hey, keep, track with me, keep coming. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out of the field. And while they were uh, in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel. Uh, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother, Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That's where that whole phrase comes from, after he just killed him. 
The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be restless wanderer on the earth. What was the Exodus passage? You might as well snap the donkey's neck if you're not going to give me the first. There's a curse that comes with that. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on my earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land. I will be hidden from your presence. Let me kind of summarize what happens from here. Is he basically says, God, I can't handle the thought of going and being restless. Someone's going to come and kill me. He said, I know it. He said, I've killed my brother. Word's going to get out. Someone, I'm just going to be wandering and someone's going to kill me because I, I, I'm going to be hopeless. I'm not going to have any kind of sustaining energy for myself. I, if the ground's not, I'm going to be cursed in that way. And, um, and, and what God says to him is, again, a picture of the gospel. First of all, he said, why are you sad? Uh, obviously, it was because of that. But he said, hey, if you turn from your sin. If you repent, um, then, then everything's going to be good. I'll show favor. And then later on, his, he, he's kind of wondering about his own life, and then, um, and then God says to him, um, I, I'm going to put a, a protection around you, and, and no one will be able to, to kill you, and anyone that does will receive my vengeance sevenfold. That they're, I'm going to protect you, even when we haven't done right, even when we haven't put God first, God wants to seek after us and, and protect us. So they're in this mess, giant message that feels like, I don't know what it might feel like to you, probably a lot of different things to many of us, but that, that God loves you and God is longing for a people that will put him first. And once we put him first, everything else is going to fall in order. There may be some things in your life that you have been trying to get in order and trying to get lined up, but you couldn't. And, and I just believe, as we put God first in this area that is so close to our heart, that some things are going to begin to line up and fall into place. It's a powerful message, not only of, of God's provision, but God's mercy and God's grace. As we close, I want to rush back to Exodus chapter 13 and in verses 14 through 16. Because this goes far deeper than you and me. This is a sign for the generations to come. In, the, in days to come, when your son asks you, like, Dad, what does this mean? Like, what's all the killing about? Like, why, why do we got to sacrifice one of our good lambs that, like, man, we can make more money off them than anything why do we got to sacrifice one of the good ones? Say to him, son with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Out of land of son, there was a time when we didn't have squat. We didn't have donkeys. We didn't have lambs. We didn't have land of our own. We were, we were slaves. We had nothing. Verse 15. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb, and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And then finally, and it, it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord has brought us out. You, you won't go very far without remembering that God has delivered us. And now, in our perspective, it's even fuller. Like, they were talking about uh, about Egypt and, and, and Pharaoh and the deliverance of that, about some things that had happened. 
in the past. And, and, and I'm praying that in the course of time, you put God first, that our kids are going to ask, Dad, what's this all about? Mom, what's this all about? And we can sit them down just like um, it's said right here in the course of time that, hey, there was a time, son, we didn't have anything. We didn't have goats. We didn't have donkeys. We didn't have calves. I was a slave, both physically and spiritually, and God brought us up out of there. We trust him because of what Jesus did at the cross. I want to invite you to stand today. I don't, I, I, I never consider this, to, this is not one of those get super excited about messages, but I hope there's some people in this room that are about to get excited for the windows of heaven opening up in your life. I, I, I believe there's some people in this house that like there's some things you've been trying to line up and put in order and not in your greatest physical strength and intellect been able to put them in order and I believe that God wants to line those up as we put him first. And so I, I think as we go through this, there's, we struggle. I think that there's a real struggle in this to trust the Lord. And sometimes it's like, well, that was the Old Testament that was the law. Actually, everything I read to you, except, the exception of Proverbs, was before the law. So it had nothing to do with the law. It was a reflection of the gospel. In the New Testament, Jesus, I mean, some, sometimes we want to get into that, but Jesus said, sell your possessions. He didn't say, give me the first. He said, sell everything and give to the poor when the rich young ruler was complaining about that or what it had to do to, to, to get first. Jesus said, give Caesar what his, give the Lord's what's his. I'm challenging you. As the Lord challenged and said, test me in this. And see if I will not swing open the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings so much that you can't contain it. Pray that you'd make that step today uh, in this house. I pray that we'd be encouraged and be reminded of the gospel every time at the beginning of the week or after we get paid and we write and we give the Lord his. That there may be food in the house uh, enough that it's overflowing. Um, God's given me vision upon vision upon vision for the next year, five years, ten years, and if you ever want to hear it, just come and sit down. I try not to overwhelm people with it, but it takes money to make the mission move forward, and I I challenge you to be a part, investing in the kingdom. Let's pray in this house today. God, we rest in your peace, God, and we rest in the message of the gospel that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus, God. God, it is that message that rings within us today. It is the love of God who told Cain that, God, I, that I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And I'll pour my vengeance on anyone that lays a finger on you. It, it, it's that grace that we see, that mercy that we see, God, where you, you said there is a chance, Cain, to, to right your wrongs and to walk in faith. God, I pray across this room um, there may be some devouring happen, happening in our families, in our belongings, in our possessions. But God, today we, we not only just entrust um, our lives to you in kind of some spiritual space, but God, in everything, in both tangible and intangible, God, we invest ourselves. I thank you, God, for, for giving us this principle of first because it points us back to the gospel. Every single time it points us back up. Back to the gospel, God. We thank you today for provision, for blessing, for protection, uh, God, and for your faith and the faith that you give us today. God, we trust you and we just celebrate and worship today. Let's worship with the band today.